Welcome back to another episode of the Widow I Go From Here podcast, a podcast for anyone felt thrown into a season they were not prepared for. My goal is to focus on finding strength in God while walking the agonizing path of grief with the hope of discovering that Jesus is always the way. I will be your host, Daisha Carter, and here you will find candid talk steadied by the powerful word of God. Thanks for tuning in. And now let's listen and enjoy. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Widow I Go From Here podcast. I am your host, Daisha Carter, and today's guest is Joseph Wilson. Joseph is a 24-7, 365-day-a-year father. He's a production accountant, making sure everyone gets paid on all those movies and TV shows we love to watch, and he is a disciple of Jesus Christ. Joseph, thank you for being a guest on today's podcast. You definitely lived a life. And what drew me to your story was in 2018, you suffered from a major health setback. One that left you asking the question, where do I go from here? And you said that what you went through health-wise in 2018 was worse than the eight years you spent in prison. Wow. So I, I, that that's like, wow. I am looking forward to our conversation today and I am just grateful to have you as a guest on the podcast. So welcome, Mr. Wilson. Thank you. I'm honored to be here to be a part of this. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's just dive right in. Um, So can you tell us a little bit about your life before 2018 and what ultimately ultimately led to your incarceration? Yes, I can. Well, before 2018, uh, I was uh, originally born and raised in uh, South Central, uh, moved out to Antelope Valley, uh, where I proceeded to, I worked in the hospital in the, uh, uh, would clean the surgery rooms. And from there, I went off into hustling, off into the streets. Uh, started off with selling a little weed. From the weed, it ended up going into selling uh, cocaine. Uh, became very good at that. So I began to uh, rise and make more and more money. At the same time, I had, was raising my daughter. I took my daughter's mother to court. I have a 30-year-old daughter, Jasmine. I took a mother to court and they gave me sole custody. So while I was out doing my ripping and running, I had someone that would be at the house watching her. And uh, it took different changes in life and shortly became uh, caught up with a couple of so-called friends that you say that was out doing some mischief, was robbing, and I let them keep some stuff at my place. Next thing you know, uh, I get pulled in, get pulled over one night. I'm being taken in, and they're asking me questions. And now I done got thrown in the mix with that. But 
even that was a blessing because had I got caught selling the drugs I was selling, I would have done a lot more time than what I ended up doing. But so it came mm. down to these two young men were saying it wasn't Joe, it was this person. Well, one said it wasn't me, it was Joe and Dave. And Dave was saying it wasn't me, it was Joe and the other person. So I get caught up in it. So me keeping my mouth shut, I end up going to do some time. And it was first trip, but it was an eye-opener. It was definitely an eye-opener. So Wow. And so you spent eight years in prison? Yes. Altogether, though, it was actually uh, six years, 10 months, 10 days. So, but yes, yes, I did. Uh, I went and did the time. I came home, was home 55 days, and then I got snatched up off the streets again uh, for just being at Hollywood Park Casino with my nephew. And they mm. they claimed we had robbed somebody. We're like, no, just check your cameras. We've been here all night because he was winning, and I was just watching his back. And mm -hmm. at that time, they took me to Van Nuys, and they tried to give me 32 years to life. Mm. So as I was facing that, uh, right before I got ready to go to trial, I called my mom, and I told her, hey, this is what's going on. My mom said, son, take the deal. And I said, but mom, I didn't do it. She said, son, if mm. they give you that time, I won't see you again. Take the deal. So my family, because I spent a lot of time around my family, with my family. So I wasn't by myself. So they knew, okay, Joe didn't do this. Because mm -hmm. when he wasn't with his nephew, he was with his cousin. And then he was with us, family. So every day of that 55 days, I was home. I was with family. Never by myself. So I ended up taking a deal. Uh, the DA said, hey, we can get you some halftime. We'll send you on a level one. And I've never been on a level one. I've been on level three, just pretty much locked down in the hole because I had an attitude while I was in prison. And that's what Satan does. Once Satan gets you where he wants you, then he's like, okay, now I got you. Now you're in prison. And I thought about it. And he's like, yeah, he's sitting here just laughing at me. Satan mm. is really laughing at me. He got me right where he wants me. Wow. So, yeah. so what's the difference between level one and level three? Level one is, is less security? Yes, less security. You kind of okay. get to roam through, through your little day room. They have phones. They get to okay. go to a store. Yeah, yes, much less. A little bit less. more freedom. Yeah, yeah, a lot more freedom, like a little camp life. Okay. Wow. So where was Jasmine uh, over the course of your time in prison? Okay. Over my course of time in prison, uh, my sister, man, thank God, my sister's my right to die. She came and uh, she took Jasmine. She mm. said, hey, I, I'll take care of her. So she raised her while I was away. And right before she got ready to move to Atlanta, she was like, hey, I can take her with me or I can leave her here with the baby mama, and which is Tammy. And I was like, okay, well, Tammy had gotten her life together. So instead of separating her from her sister, I said, let her stay with her mom and her sister. Okay, okay. Wow. I, 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 love, how, um, I love how you're able to see the blessing in it all, like just just saying that, you know, 
not getting caught with the drugs, but ending up in this, you know, he, he said it's me, he, you know, I'm saying it's him mess. How even in that, like you're still able to see and call it a blessing. Like I, I, I love that. And just how, you know, God, he does, it may not be, <laughs> it may not be how we want him to show up, but he shows up in the best way possible for us. So, wow, that's, that's deep. So when, when was it that you came into a relationship with Jesus? Like, when did that happen? Okay. Well, while I was away, I was, was reading the Bible and my mom, she had us, we grew up in church. We grew up in church. So we knew right from wrong. But uh, during that time, while I was away, I decided to start reading the Bible. Uh, when I was in Wayside <clears throat> in Thunderdorm, uh, we would have like prayer call at night and everybody, all the different races would come into a big circle, hold hands and pray about our cases. So I started there. Mm -hmm. And as I went on into prison, I started uh, sticking to just reading my Bible. But when I really got to it was when I came home. And after doing that time, um, I ended up coming across a young man by the name of Curtis Reed. And uh, he was with another young lady, Deanna. And we was out celebrating the 4th of July. And he approached me and Deanna approached my uh, ex-wife, which was my girlfriend at the time, Monica. We came together and I was like, nah, this, this ain't just no coincidence. She's like a hundred yards away at the car and Deanna approached her and Curtis Reed approached me. So I knew, I was like, okay, th this is God right here. This is not just no coincidence. Mm. So we started going to church and I was like, yeah, yeah, no, you got your second thoughts. Family members had something to say. No, nah, you shouldn't be at that church. They're called this and that. I'm like, no, nah, I don't see it as that. I see them as they're really trying to live their life out by trying to be like Christ. And the more we started going, the more we got into it. So what we did, uh, we got baptized and got married at a midweek after studying the Bible and after separating. I wouldn't stay with my cousin <clears throat> during that period. And then I moved back in the house with her after we got baptized and married. Uh, to do it right. And as mm -hmm. I started growing closer to God, she started going the opposite direction. But still with all that, I've been blessed with uh, from her with two beautiful daughters. Uh, Leilani is 17 now, Ariana's 18. And I'm very thankful because it gave me time, this trip gave me time to be there with my daughters that I had missed out on the first trip while I was with, while I had Jasmine, cause I was incarcerated. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah. Wow, that's, that's, that's cool. God is, uh, what I hear is just that God is definitely a redeemer of time. Like, you know, and I could imagine. So how is your relationship with Jasmine today? Oh, we're good, we're good. We. We I, mm -hmm. I, each morning I text her a morning scripture as I read, and she texts me back, "Hey, I love you, Dad." Or mm -hmm. she, so she's out in Vegas, and she's like, "Dad, uh, you coming out for a birthday?" Or I may try and make sure that I get out there at least once a month to see her. But yeah. we talk, and 
And she's even told me, she said throughout all of this, that one thing she wishes that we would have done more talking. Mm -hmm. And she, she actually tells me like I should have pushed her to go to church more. Like I would tell her, come go to church. And she like, no. And I just said, okay, well, I ain't gonna fight with you. So, mm -hmm. but yeah, I, I, I love that because even, you know, I think about, um, she could have easily been bitter, you know what I mean? Because mm -hmm. her dad had been gone for whatever, but I just think about how, you know, God is, he's a redeemer of time and how, although, I mean, you know, I don't think any, re I, this is just my thought. I don't think any re relationship is perfect. You know, we yeah. all have our whatever's. Um, and whatever the dynamic is, but um, how it doesn't matter, you know what I mean? Because God redeems that time. So um, Joseph, the podcast is about being thrown into a season uh, you were not prepared for and one that ultimately leaves you asking the question, where do I go from here? Can you share with us the moment you realized that your health was taking a turn for the worse and uh, just share with us what happened. Okay. So it was um, in 2018, like April, March, April. Um, I started feeling a little pain in my, in, my, in my stomach. And my sister came to town from Atlanta and was like, hey, you, you need to go get that checked out. At the same time, we had like a little family reunion out here and they wanted me to come. I was like, nah, my stomach is... It's bothering me too much. I, I can't attend this. And uh, I said, well, if it's still hurting on Monday, I'll go. Monday morning, I got up to take uh, Leilani to, uh, to school. And I told my sister, I said, I need you to go with me. I need you to drive. Because after we take Leilani to school, I need to go to the hospital. She said, okay. So we drove, took Leilani. And out of all days, Leilani decided she wanted to act up. I didn't have the strength to fight with her. So my sister got out the car and told her to take her butt in the gate. We went to the hospital. And all of a sudden, I just started shaking, shaking real bad, like I was real cold and I couldn't stop shaking. And it began to sit in more and more and more. And by the time they got me into the room in the back, they was asking me who was my sister. And she, I looked at her and it was just like a blank. I didn't recognize my sister. Aww. To where they asked me, who was the president? And all I could tell him was uh, someone nobody likes. Uh. And um, then it really began to kick in, uh, like memory, different things that was just hitting me. And then they decided, okay, we need to keep him. We need to see what's going on with him so they kept me overnight uh ran some tests uh they let me come back home and my daughters that was at the house I ended up having to send them to their mom's house and my sister say something's going on with my brother this isn't my brother 
something's wrong with him and we need to find out what's going on. So she had one of our, our cousins come stay with me, check in on me. I went to see different specialists. They got me set up with some specialists. And it was like, started off with like cirrhosis of the liver being infected. Uh, they say regarding, related to my fatty tissue. And I just, it was like not knowing what's going on, not being able to control your thought, um, being not really being able to hold nothing down and not even sure if I was going to wake up the next day. Mm. And doing that, uh, my sister stayed here, I think about a month. And she said, okay, Joe, I've used up all of my sick time, most of my sick time. She said, but we're going to have to, I'm going to have to take you to Atlanta with me. So we're going to pack up your stuff and put everything in storage. So family came together. They packed up the house. My daughters went with their mom and I was taken to Atlanta where mm -hmm. my sister had somebody constantly watching me. When she was at work, she had somebody watching me, but she worked like 15 minutes away. So she could be at the house very quickly. But it was scary mm -hmm. because in my mind, I was thinking, wait a minute, I just, when it came to like, wait a minute, I just left my kids. I can't leave my kids and have their mom mistreating them. And I wasn't thinking about me. I was thinking about them. And that's what my family was getting me to recognize. Like, Joe, you could need to think about you right now. Mm -hmm. Your kids are going to be fine, but you need to think about you and mm -hmm. get better. So during that time, my sister, we would fly out like every other week see like four or five doctors, specialists from neurosurgeon all the way down from head to toe. I'm going to specialists because my equilibrium was off. I couldn't walk. When I would try and hold a conversation, it would drain me. I would be exhausted just trying to hold a conversation without stuttering or shaking. So before we left, I was trying to be cool around our daughters and not let them see me shaking but it would it would drain me if they were there visiting 30 minutes an hour and me trying to hold it together would exhaust me. So when my sister would drop them off, I'd, I'd just go to sleep. Mm. And after having a couple of episodes, that was actually when my sister said, okay, we're going to go ahead and take you to Atlanta with me because I could be fine one day and be around some smoke and just act like I'm having a seizure going to shake and she'd run me to the hospital. I get to the hospital, I'm ready to fight everybody, all the security, all the help. Uh, so where every time I would go somewhere when she'd rush me, they want to take tests, have me pee in a cup and no, we got to see you. They, they thought I was on some drugs. Uh -huh. And, uh, and I'm telling wow. you, yeah, they, they was that bad to where the nurse would be like, no, I, I need to see you urinate in the cup. Wow. So I'm going, okay. And I do it in the cup in front of them. They take my blood. I'd be rough for a couple of hours and I come to like, okay, where am I at? I want to go home. Wow. I want to go home. And uh, 
it took eight months altogether, just going back and forth, back and forth of what, wow. what was going on. And uh, so why was this experience, why, why would you consider this experience worse than the years that you spent in prison? Like, what was it about this experience? Oh, man. This experience chokes me up to this day, um, even right now. But I can honestly say the prison was like nothing. You, you, you deal with that. You, you adjust to your environment. But when you get sick and you're not even sure if you're going to make it through the day or to the next day, now, that is something, that's an eye-opener. Mm-hmm. That is an eye-opener, not knowing what was going to happen because the way they were saying it, hey, it could be early stages of dementia. Um, so really, they didn't know what was going on. I just knew I wasn't myself. It was like I'm me inside of my body, and I see everything happening, going on. Mm-hmm. But I can't mm. pinpoint what is going on. I'm, I'm somewhat slow. I'm not there. I'm there, but not there. I, I, I think about, um, you know, I, I can kind of get it. Like, loss is hard, re- regardless of what the loss is. And in prison... You still had you still had some sort of control, yeah. right? Yeah. So, like you said, you adapt to your environment, but you still had all your faculties. You were in your right mind. You controlled, you know, the the piece of your life that you had control over. Yes. But now, fit health wise, you you've lost control, yep. loss of what was normal, loss of thought, loss of physical capacity, loss of your home environment, loss of your, like, you know what I mean? That's a lot. And, and knowing, and kind of like this out of body or in body experience, I guess, like knowing that this is happening and not being able to do anything about it. So true. Like that's, that's deep. That's deep. So 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 what I found in my own life is that, you know, as I was left asking the question, where do I go from here because of a loss, right? The answer would be in discovering that Jesus was the way is kind of what you're uh, alluding to now. And so when did you realize that complete restoration and healing would come by surrendering your situation to God, like all of it. You know what I mean? Because even when, like, even in your story, you're like, okay, I went to the hospital. I was there for eight days. They sent me home, but I need to go, go right back to work. You know what I mean? Like, and it's, and that's how we are, right? We're, we're kind of, at least in America, we're wired that way just to be like, I got to do, I got to go. I got to provide. I got to, I got to, I got to, I got to. When 
a lot of times God is just saying, you know what, be still and know, right? And so when, when did that happen for you? And what was that journey like? Wow. That journey was, uh, it was an amazing journey. It was a scary journey. Um, I think. What was scary about it? I'm sorry no to problem. cut you. you I'm no listen. problem. No problem. <laughs> um, not knowing where I was going and how, how I was going to come out on the other end. Mm-hmm. If I was going to remember, at one point, at one point, I thought I was going to uh, forgive my daughters. Mm. So I took pictures of them. And Throughout this, like I was saying, uh, Nicole Turner sent me uh, a part, uh, cast to listen to. You had reached out to me. And all I could think is, I need to go back. I need to let God handle this. Because I'm not resting. It's like, I'm trying to deal with it when I need to let God handle it. I think it was a month, two months in, I couldn't have conversation with nobody. I'd break down and cry Mm -hmm. or just be lost to breath trying to have a conversation. I had to let it go. And I said, okay, this too will pass. Little scriptures I could remember, uh, I would, I would say those little scriptures, anything I could remember, uh, great as mm. he, then I, you know, um, just mm-hmm. anything I would, I would grip on to and just, okay, I have to let this happen. I can't rush it. Mm-hmm. I have to rest. Wow. And so what, what, I'm sorry. Go I'm ahead, sorry. go <laughs> ahead, go ahead, Don. I was just going to say, what what was amazing about it? Oh, man, was that through all of this, I was able to relate to a lot of people that couldn't take care of themselves. Mm. To other people that had to lean on to others to be taken care of. I was able to relate to one of the family members that's kind of slow. And I was just able just to sit down with him and help him see a different side of perspective of life because he had this one way of looking at things. And I was like, no, well, what if you look at it this way? And I remember going through that and communicating with him and he and I, bonded so well, bonded so well. And I was like, wait a minute, I got got to snap out of this. But God Mm. showed me, okay, walk with me, just take your time, walk with me. Mm -hmm. And he guided me through it to where I began to just take it in, to think, to relax. I've always been caught up here 
in the chicken race, trying to take care of everybody else. Now it was time for me to take care of me or to let God take care of me. Amen. 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 Wow. That was a major eye opener (laughs) of going through that, having that experience from being able to handle everything on my own to now I'm being taken care of from my finances Mm -hmm. to my living, my shopping, everything, everything. Somebody bringing me meals. Every time I go to the store, I got to grab a basket to walk so I wouldn't lose my balance to where Mm -hmm. I was to the point I was at the house. I went from crawling to walking forwards to walking backwards. All that was like I had to do that all over again. Um, everything. I It gave me a different perspective with life. It's like a lot of things that I used to let irritate me and get me bothered, I don't no more. Mm-hmm. Amen. Amen. So how did you end up, you know, because now you're in California, mm-hmm. you know, and you're you're having a, a very adult conversation. A hundred percent have the ability to tell your testimony, you know, uh, working, taking care of your girls. Like, you know, what what happened from the time you were in Atlanta to now your your home. And what did that do to your faith? Oh, my faith is, I want to tell everyone, allow God to come into your life and help you change instead of him having to sit you down. Mm. Because once he sits you down, now, He's in control of everything. And it Mm. taught me, I don't want to have to get sick for me to really call on God. I want to have a daily relationship with him. I don't want to be down and out or sick on a deathbed to give God the glory and the praise that he deserves. I want to be able to do that Mm -hmm. while I'm up and doing good. Man. Because when you're down, you really like, oh, Father, is is this it? I'm trying to do everything and anything I can, but it's not up to me. It's up to him. So for me to even fight or to get back to where I am now, I said, that's, that's glory be to God. Because my Amen. doctors told me, they said, hey, uh, I didn't think you were going to pull out of it because a lot of people don't. I'm like, what? Uh, they tell me stuff like that. I'm like, what? Yeah, I, and I, I would tell my doctors, I'm a God-fearing man. I tell them straight up, I'm a God-fearing man. So whatever you got, bring it. Because I'm a God-fearing man. I believe God is going to help me do this. And he did. Amen. That is amazing. I, 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 so there's a few things that stick out. I think um, one, I, I hear you on, you know, humble yourself before God. Don't, don't, you know, you don't want God to humble you. Um, but 
but also that, um, you know, because you are here today, that God has a calling on your life. That like, we know that God has a calling, but when we go through something and we come out, uh, you know, for you alive on the other side, like that confirms, you know, that I'm he, God has me here for a reason, for a purpose. And I think about what you said about, I think you said your nephew, how, you know, you were able to listen, to empathize, to relate, you know, to people that's in a position where, where they have to rely on someone else for whatever. And, you know, that's huge. Like relatability is huge. Being able to empathize with someone is huge. And the reason I say that is because, you know, everyone grieves at 100%. What, whatever that grief is, everyone does. If my dog died and I cried over that, I'm not grieving at 15%. You know what I mean? Like I'm grieving at a hundred percent. When Kima died, that was grief at a hundred percent. When whatever, right. You, you, you lost, you lost your abilities, plural. There were many things that you lost. I'm sure you were grieving at 100%. And so being able to empathize is huge because it re- honestly, it reminds me of Jesus, Philippians 2, that, and I'm sorry, not Philippians, Hebrews, that Jesus came so that he could empathize, sympathize with the people that he made. You know what I mean? Like he became man so that he could relate to us. And I do. I think that many times when we come out on the other side of whatever that is, it is God placing us in a position to be ambassadors for him, you know? And so I just, I'm, 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 I'm blown away <laughs> at your story, at God, at, uh, you know, I remember, I remember the man you were, you know, pre, what, what was your diagnosis, uh, Joseph? They said it was cirrhosis of the liver from my fatty tissues. Yeah. Okay. So I remember Joseph pre cirrhosis of the liver <laughs> and I know Joseph, Joseph post, yes. you know, cirrhosis of the liver to totally different men, like your, your life, your humility, your worship, your reverence for God now is like, it's night and day, you know, I, I see your life, I, I see your walk. And I just think, you know, like you said, glory be to Jesus, man. Thank you, Joseph. For sharing your story with us today. That was so good. So good. I appreciate you. I appreciate you, you Miss Connor. I appreciate you. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure we went over, <laughs> but who cares? This is just being able to talk about the goodness of God. Um, is what I live for. So, hey man, good soil community. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Widow I Go From Here podcast. And I really hope you enjoyed today's episode and that your faith 
and God has been built up as a result of listening to Joseph's story. And until next time, folks, bye for now. Hey there, it's Daisha. I just wanted to uh, chime in really quickly and just share uh, two scriptures that really impacted me as I was listening to Joseph's story. And uh, the first one is Hebrews chapter two, verse 14. And it just says, since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity so that by his death, he might break the power of him who holds the power of death. That is the devil. And, you know, when you think about Jesus, the Bible says that since the children, who are the children we are, since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, but it was for a reason. It was so that by his death, he can break the power that the devil holds on death. And when Joseph was talking about, um, you know, being relatable, like I, I just immediately thought about Jesus. And then the other scriptures, Hebrews chapter four, verse 15. And it says, we, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize 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 meaning experiencing someone else's feelings we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are yet he did not sin and why why is jesus able to empathize with our weakness because he became flesh and blood so that he could break the power that the devil holds on death. And, you know, I think about our suffering, you know, I think about just for Jesus to become flesh and blood meant a life of suffering. And when we suffer, we're definitely when we suffer for Christ, we're definitely following in the footsteps of our Savior, but our suffering is never in vain. You know, it, it's always a because, you know, just like Jesus, who became flesh and blood, because so that there was a purpose behind it. He could destroy the devil's work. Our suffering also is for something. You know, he suffered in, in, in his, his mind's eye, according to his perspective. And I'm sure, I'm sure there's so much that we didn't even hear, you know, from the story. But just according to the story, right, he was able to see how his suffering made him more relatable to someone he would have never been relatable to, right? And that's, that's, that's Christ. That's our savior. He suffered so that he could relate to us. And I don't know, I just love it. So that's it, my two cents. 
Um, Thanks again for listening. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the podcast, please share it. Episodes are released every Wednesday. To find out what I'm up to, you can check me out at goodsoilentertainment.com, on YouTube at goodsoilent, on my Facebook page at goodsoilentertainment, and on Instagram at goodsoil.ent. Bye for now.